0: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The windows are open over there. He's opened up the windows to pour out us a blessing. So, hallelujah. You can shut them if you're cold. Yes, please. Um, how many of you remember the, the old song, Oh, How He Loves You and Me? Yeah? Isn't that wonderful? Oh, How He Loves You and Me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Jesus to Calvary did go, his love for mankind to show. What he did there brought hope from despair. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you and me. What more could Jesus do? What more could he do? There's enough information in the Gospels to provide us with faith about all the things that Jesus actually did do. His healings, deliverances, the comfort that he gave to people, resurrections, instructions on the kingdom, and of course our salvation. What more could he do? In John 21 it says... There's also many other things that Jesus did, the which, if they would be written, every one of them, I suppose that even the world could not contain the books that should be written down. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages World without end. Amen. Jesus works continuous on and on and on and on and on. World without end. Do you believe that? Or do you doubt that he can do something about your circumstances? Oh, I'll just have to put up with this, I guess. After all, patience is a virtue. And then the enemy whispers, yeah, and they'll see your saintliness as you suffer. Or, well, maybe it's not his will to heal me. And the enemy says, it's his will that you suffer more. Or, I have asked so many times, I'm losing faith that he will act in this. And the enemy whispers, see, he doesn't even care. How many of you heard things like that? How many of you thought things like that? That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the word of God says. Why are we believing the lies of the enemy? My main scripture for today is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I, st- I still love Joyce Meyer's teaching where she says, Think about what you're thinking about. How many of you ever done that? How many of you ever stopped to think about what you're thinking about? Wait a minute, what's that from? (laughs) Are these thoughts in my head from God? Or do they fall in line with scripture? Is this what I really think and believe? Or is this thought trying to take a higher place in my mind and belief system than what God has said? And how is that being obedient to the anointing that I've already received? We pray and we petition the Lord for lots of stuff. But then we turn around and we negate everything that we've, been, that we've taken to the throne by thinking just the opposite. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of us have thought something and then we had to be like our computer and we used the, the back button or the delete, delete, delete button <laughs> because it was something unworthy or something that, we, that went against what we know is God's will? How many, how many have you ever done that? Delete, delete, delete. Just wipe that out of my mind, Lord. Delete, delete. We've done that. All of us have. And how many of us have doubted that God's goodness is actually towards us? We have to delete those thoughts. The next question then is, did that act of repentance make you feel guilty? Oh, you must be a horrible person to have had that kind of a thought. Yeah, I must be a horrible person for thinking that. See how quickly we fall into the enemy's trap? Do you know the word repent? Repent. What does it mean? What does the word repent mean? Bingo. Most of the time we associate it with being sorry for sin or turning away from sin. Remember that Jesus' first teachings were repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's in Matthew 3 and 4. But does that only mean stopping sin? No. What is the most luxurious apartment in a high-rise apartment building? What is that called? Penthouse. That's right. It's the uppermost, the pinnacle of the building. That is our minds, the pinnacle of our being, the uppermost. The one thing about us is thinking beings that governs our behaviors. It's also a word that has the root word of being pensive or thoughtful. So when we've lived all of our lives in our minds in one fashion just going along with whatever fleeting thought that flutters across our minds, when we meet Jesus and he asks us to repent, he's asking us to completely change our way of thinking, change our entire base of operations, ditch the old mindsets and take on a whole new perspective, the word of God, the kingdom of God, the entire worldview that God has. To repent, then, means to think completely differently about everything and to bring our thoughts under control. Now, <laughs> I get tickled when I'm watching TV and whatever, and we hear an awful lot of stuff about being woke or being open-minded about all the perverse and wicked things that people get up to these days. And I heard somebody say one time, don't be so open-minded that your brains fall out. Now, I'm not saying that we have to be closed-minded either. What I am saying is that we need to get God-minded. What does God think about things? Wait, what? How many times have you heard it said that we can never think like God thinks? How many have heard that? Why we can't think what God thinks. His ways are higher. He thinks, wait, we can't think like that. How many have heard that? Nobody? Nobody's ever heard that? Yeah, some of you have. Okay, well, praise the Lord. But you know what? That is from Isaiah 55, and that is the other side of the cross. Now, you think about that a minute? His thoughts are higher than ours. His works, his, he works in mysterious ways. That comes from one verse in Isaiah 55. But if you look at that whole section, you'll find out who that phrase is being addressed to. It's to the wicked man. Well, what if I told you that we have the mind of Christ? Once we become one with him, we are no longer in the category of wicked man. We can, and get this, we have permission to think like he does. Now, isn't that awesome? God has given us permission to think like he does. Whoa. (laughs) Wrap your head around that one in 1 Corinthians 2:16 it says who's known the mind of the lord that we, he may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ that's this side of the cross the other side of the cross was we couldn't think like him but this side of the cross we have the mind of Christ amen, amen. all right amen and this is how it's taught in the message bible this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 6 through 16 i know it's long but it's it's good And uh, Paul writing to them says, We of course have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground. But it's not popular wisdom, the fashionable wisdom of high priced experts that will be out of date in a year or so. (laughs) Isn't that true? God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of his purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface, it's not the latest message. It's more like the oldest message, what God determined as the way to bring out his best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. The experts of our day haven't got a clue about what this eternal plan is. Now, isn't that the truth? If they had, they wouldn't have killed the master of the God-designed life on a cross, And that's why we have this scripture text that says no one has ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. The ungodly man, the unspiritual man can't even imagine what God has in store for us. But you've seen and you've heard it because God by his spirit has brought it out into the open right before you. The Spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God has planned all along. Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except you yourself. But let us, but the same God, except he not only knows what he is thinking, but he has let us in on it too. Now, what do you think about that? I think that's pretty awesome. When God lets us in on the secret things that he's got in store, that's pretty awesome. God offers a full report on the gifts of life and salvation that he's giving us. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We don't learn this by reading books or going to school. We learned it from God who taught us person to person through Jesus, and we're passing it on to you in the same first-hand, personal way. Now, when you've learned something from the Spirit of the Lord and you pass it on, that's firsthand experience. That's what Paul's talking about here. And he goes on, the unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the gifts of God's Spirit. There's no capacity for them. We don't have the capacity to receive God's Spirit before we're saved. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can only be known by Spirit. God's spirit and our spirits in open communion. Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's spirit is doing, and we can't be judged by unspiritual critics. Isaiah's question then, is there anyone around who knows God's spirit? Anyone who knows what he's doing has been answered. Christ knows, and we have Christ's spirit. Is that not astounding to you? I mean it is to me. I mean we have access to the very mind of God. The very mind that created the universes. However many of them there are. And all 8 billion souls that are on the earth today. And all the 8 billion and 1600 million thousand gazillion that were came before that. We have the mind of Christ. So now how do you think about your thoughts? Our minds where thoughts occur are like radio receivers and sometimes like television receivers. We receive thoughts and impressions. And even sometimes we see things in our minds like dreams and visions. How many of you have had godly dreams and visions? Yep, we all have had one or two. And sometimes we don't remember them, sometimes we do and they scare us, but then, they're, then they go, oh, okay, that's what you meant. <laughs> this main scripture for today is an invitation for us to examine what we are receiving. Take every thought captive. Don't let them just flit around like leaves on the wind, blowing this way and then that. Because if we do that, we'll get caught in a swirling mess that makes no sense whatsoever. And that leads to chaos, which is the exact opposite of the mind of God. Remember in one of the songs that we sing, he brought chaos into order. And he can do the same thing with our thought life if we pay attention. Think about what you're thinking about. Take every thought captive. Examine it. Interrogate it. Wait a minute. Where did that come from? Be ruthless with your thoughts. Does that thought line up with what God has said? He has said, by my stripes you were healed. But my thoughts say, oh, you poor baby, you're always going to be sick. He has said you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. But my thoughts sometimes say, Oh, you're nothing but a worm and nobody likes worms. Not even who's his name up there in heaven. How many felt like that sometimes? That's not your thoughts. That's not God's thoughts. Father has said he will open the windows of heaven and pour out more blessing than we can ever imagine. But my thoughts sometimes say, Oh, I'll never be anything but broke without even a pot to pee in. Those are not God's words. Those are not God's thoughts. Those thoughts are sent to our receivers by the enemy to keep us bound up and powerless. He knows the potential that we carry because of the spirit and the mind of Christ that dwells within us. And he will use any and every tactic to keep us from living in that potential and power. He knows the areas where he can operate. And he also knows the power that we have to combat his tactics in our own lives of, and those of who we encounter and love. When we line up our thoughts with scripture especially like the verses in Deuteronomy 28. And I'm going to read these to you because they're important. And it says, And it shall come to pass, if you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. Where are we set? Where are we set? On high. All right. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake you if you will... Hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall be in the city and blessed will you be in the field. Where are you going to be blessed? In the city and in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of the ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. Blessed will be your basket and your store. What's your basket? That's your grocery shopping. What's your store? That's your pantry. You're going to be blessed in all these areas. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Where are you going to be blessed? Coming in and going out. The Lord shall cause your enemy that rises up against you to be smitten before your face. They'll come against you one way and they're going to flee from you seven different ways. That's where we get the praise seven days, seven ways from Sunday. The devil has got to flee from us because we belong to God. The Lord shall command the blessing upon your storehouses and all that you set your hand to. And he shall bless you in the land which the Lord God has given you. What's your land? What's the land that God has given you? Where is it? Where's the land? Come on. Right here. Right here. Where? Where? Everywhere we put our feet, that's your house, that's when you go to the grocery store, that's when you get in your car, that's when you drive around the city, that's when you're walking down the street. Every place that you put your foot is the land that God has given you. The Lord shall establish you a holy people unto himself as he has sworn to you if you will keep the commandments of the Lord God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. Years ago, uh, about 50 years ago, ha, I'm telling all myself here, my sister was married to a man who was very abusive. And she ran away from him and came to stay at my house. We lived way out on the countryside and on a farm and back a lane. And Donald and his gang... Came to fetch her. They came to get her. And I knew that if she went home with him, he would beat the living daylights out of her. And I, my spirit rose up on the inside of me. And I come storming out that back door. And I said, all you demons of hell, you get out of here right now in the name of Jesus. Guess what happened? They got back in the car and they just meekly drove away. That's what this is talking about. They will be afraid of you. When you rise up in power, when you rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit, they have to go away. They cannot stand being in the presence of God. And then it goes on, And the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your ground, in the land which the Lord has sworn to to your fathers to give you. And the Lord will open unto you his good treasure. What's his good treasure? Everything. Especially Jesus. He will open up his good treasure and the heavens to give the rain into the land in its season, to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, and you will not borrow. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. And you will be above only, and you will not be beneath, if you will hearken to the commandments of the Lord God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. And you will not go aside from any of the words that I command you this day to the right or to the left or to go after other gods to serve them. When we line up our thoughts to match this set of scriptures, we are unstoppable. Amen? All right. When we're in communion with one another one in spirit, one in body, one in purpose, and all in the same mind as Jesus, we are undefeatable. The things that can hinder our move of God is when we get all hypercritical with one another, like Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts. They fell out over one of the other disciples who left their company, but later on they were reconciled. They thought better or differently or repented of their dispute, and came back together in fellowship. Or there was any other number of complaints that we see in the early church in the book of Acts when di- disputes arose. The apostles. Now the apostles that walked with Jesus. They had to set aside time from their prayers and the ministry of the word. To settle things between the various groups. Now isn't that sad? Sad. In Acts chapter 6, it says, once the disputes were settled then according to the will of God and the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great number of the priests, the Jewish priests, then were obedient to the faith. When we stop bickering and we start living in communion with one another and get our thoughts lined up with the word of God, then A great number of the people will be obedient to the faith. That's when increase comes. That's when it comes. So taking our thoughts captive and bringing them under obedience to Christ, the anointing and the word is not only good for us as individuals, but it's how we promote the body of Christ altogether. How many of you remember the words of John Kennedy in his inaugural speech? Ask not what the country can do for you, but ask what you can do for the country. Ask not what the church can do to make me feel superior, but what can I do to help the make the church grow? Not, well, it should have been done this way, or, but what can I do to make it better? Taking our thoughts and words and actions captive and bringing them under obedience to the anointing repenting in our minds to think like the mind of Christ. This is how we prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For then he will work with us to make the things that he has in store happen. Our father is ready. Jesus is ready. He's ready to work with us. You remember in the story of the last supper, how Jesus took off his garment he, took, he laid aside his good clothes, <laughs> and he wrapped himself in a towel, getting ready to do some manual labor. He acted as a servant, washing the feet of the disciples. He is a co-laborer, a co-worker with us. In Mark 16, we read about his ascension, and it says, Then after the Lord had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they, the disciples, went forth preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. He wants to work with us. He doesn't want to work against us. He's working with us to get the message out of his salvation. This side of the cross, this side of this is where we're going to live now. We don't live in that other part. We live in this side of the cross where all of our sins are forgiven, where everything in heaven is ours, where everything that belongs to God belongs to us. This side of the cross, this is where we live. This is where we have to put our minds and think. 2 Corinthians one twenty says, For all the promises of God in him, in Jesus, are yes and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. In the Phillips translation, it says it this way. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whom Silvanus and Timothy and I have preached to you, is himself no doubtful quantity. We don't have to doubt what Jesus is. He's explained it explicitly. He is the divine yes. Every promise of God finds its affirmative, its yes, in him. And through him can be said the final Amen. To the glory of God. We owe our position in Christ. To this God of positive promise. Positive promise. That's what God is. He's a positive promise. It is he who has consecrated us. To this special work. He who has given us. The living guarantee. Of the spirit in our lives. And in our hearts. There's a quote from a movie. That I like. It says, So let it be written, so let it be done. Who knows what that was from? The Ten Commandments. That's what Pharaoh said to Moses. So let it be written, so let it be done. And even though it's from a film script, it's very appropriate when we're thinking about scripture. And I can hear the voice of God quoting this too. It has been written, so let it be done. That's our amen. That's what our amen really means. We agree with what has been written. So, take every thought captive and make it obey the anointing that you have been given. Think about what you're thinking about. For you do have the mind of Christ and you have permission to use it. Take every thought captive about the church and make it obey the anointing that has been placed on this body. Take every thought captive about the lives and well-being of your loved ones and make them obedient to the anointing that is over their lives. Don't think about your kids as, oh, they're never going to be saved. They're always going to be lost. They're always going to be a handful. They're always going to be trouble. There's always going to be some kind of mess or other that, that I'm going to have to get them out of. That's not what the anointing says. The anointing says your children are going to be blessed. That's the word of God. And that has to come to pass. Amen? Take your every thought captive concerning world situations and make them obedient to the anointing of the prince of peace. We hear rumors of wars and all that other stuff. And we think, oh, the world's coming to an end. The world's coming to an end. You know, Jesus is going to come back tomorrow. <laughs> he is the prince of peace. And in Isaiah, it says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. On whose shoulders? On his. Not on politicians. When we stay in the anointing and we keep our thoughts focused on the anointing of God, and we pray for our political leaders, then they are under the anointing as well. So we have to keep our thoughts positive about them. Take every thought captive regarding your health and make those thoughts a obedient to the anointed healing power of Christ. Every thought. Take every thought captive about your finances and make them obedient to the knowledge that God is a blessing and multiplying God. Take every thought captive about your salvation and make those thoughts obedient to Jesus' words that he will never lose, not even one soul that has been placed in his hands. Take every thought captive about your relationship with the Father and make them obedient to his words, you are my beloved. Think about what you're thinking about. Take every thought captive. Repent. You have the mind of Christ. And the last thing I'm going to say is Romans 12:2. be not conformed to this world but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you for this word today and help us all father to take our thoughts captive, to understand and to interrogate them and to find out where they're yours and where they're not ours and to discard any of them that do not belong to you. Help us to, Train our minds to think like you think. Help us to accept the fact that your mind is in our mind. That we can think like you do. Because we have Christ's spirit in us. In Jesus' name. Amen.